Yesterday, there were two Big Ten conference games that were the definition of defense wins championships. Those being Ohio State versus Penn State and Minnesota versus Iowa. And all four teams looked vaguely similar in an almost terrifying way. Obviously, neither Minnesota, Penn State, or Ohio State has the rancid, gross, inept offense that Iowa does, but neither of these teams scored more than 20 points yesterday. Neither of them did. Penn State scored 12, Iowa scored 10, Minnesota also scored 12, Ohio State scored 20, but still didn't touch three touchdowns. They only scored two and kicked two field goals. Um, Ohio State versus Penn State looked like it came out of the Minnesota-Iowa rivalry series. But while P.J. Fleck was able to go on the road and get a win, get a road win versus a rival, and against the team who, as of yesterday morning, was easily the favorite to win the West, James Franklin falls to 1-9. in nine against Ohio State in his 10 seasons at Penn State. And Ryan Day is now 5-0 and versus James Franklin. And outside of coaching, which is easily in favor of the Buckeyes, one player, a blue-chip recruit from the state of Pennsylvania, made a huge impact in this game. Whether you call him Marvelous Marv, Maserati Marv, or you just call him by his full name, Marvin Harrison Jr., it doesn't matter. He's college football's number one wide receiver, and Penn State does not have anyone close to him on offense. Whether it's Nicholas Singleton, or Catron Allen, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, even offensive lineman Olu Fashanu, none of them compare relatively to their positions to Marvin Harrison Jr., who, whether it was Johnny Dixon, Kalen King, whoever he was covering, he was going to burn. The question was, could Kyle McCord throw an accurate pass? And indeed, Kyle McCord oftentimes threw behind, ahead of, below, above Marvin Harrison Jr. Kyle McCord did not have a good day. He didn't. Um, I read several comments from Ohio State fans, and I witnessed this live while watching the game. There were open wide receivers all the time. If C.J. Stroud was Ohio State's quarterback, this game might have been over by the third quarter or, say, halftime. Now, that's no disrespect to Penn State's defense. They clearly have one of the best, if not the best, defenses in college football. But to circle back to the comparison to the Iowa-Minnesota game, Iowa has an inept offense, as we know, and Penn State's offense looked eerily familiar and to, to Iowa's. It was not a good performance whatsoever by Drew Aller, by Mike Yersich, and James Franklin as the offensive coordinator and head coach who is supposed to be the CEO and manage his own team properly. Manny Diaz called a great game. Um, he earned respect in my book, and Penn State's defensive tackles, their defensive line, everything about Penn State's defense performed well. They just eventually cracked under the weight that Ohio State put on them. Ohio State was able to lean on their ground game occasionally to keep Penn State's defense honest, and in the passing game, 
if Kyle McCord threw an accurate pass or made a proper read, it was a first down. Um, there's no doubt that Ohio State's wide receiver core is too good to be stopped. You can only limit them. That's your only hope. And Penn State was incapable of putting up the necessary points to win, especially on the road against this type of Ohio State Big Ten football team. And specifically, this kind of defense. I think Ohio State might have the nation's number one defense. But welcome back, guys, fellow football fanatics, and ladies and gentlemen. It's your host, College Football with Sam. And this game was the definition of Big Ten football. Death, taxes, and a Big Ten football game where we are exchanging punts and field goals more than we are touchdowns. It's beautiful. Sometimes it makes you want to wash your eyes with bleach. Other times, because it's so entertaining, and the crowd noise, and the the emotion, and preparation, and just the the formations, everything about the game sometimes is also so entertaining that your eyes are glued to the screen, but sometimes the style of football makes you cringe. Regardless, we're all Big Ten football and or college football fans here, so do me a favor and hit the big red subscribe button. Speaking of Big Red, Nebraska beat Northwestern um, yesterday, so go Big Red, but please hit that subscribe button, click the notification bell. Also, Ohio State, another team who wears red, though more specifically Scarlet, won yesterday as well. So if you're a fan of Nebraska or Ohio State, hit the subscribe button. If you're a fan of any college football team or Big Ten football, hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell so you won't miss content from YouTube's best Big Ten football channel. Comment your thoughts down below and your analysis and your takeaways from this game. And also like this video so we can get it into the algorithm. Lastly, I ask you to check out my Patreon page via the link in the description, and I'll also post a link in the comments section. Potential Power, my own power ranking system that I try and design to accurately predict spreads, which is very tough with a power ranking system, and also games, had an above 500 record against the spread yesterday, and it predicted this game pretty well. Um, Potential Power predicted Ohio State to win by 15, and until the final seconds, Ohio State was up by 14. So it predicted Ohio State to win and cover, factoring in home field advantage. Um, potential power did fairly well in picking money lines and spreads yesterday. So if you join via the link in the description as an All-American or Heisman Patreon member, you'll get insider access to my power rankings. Thank you so much for listening. And we hit 12,100 subscribers yesterday, and that was awesome. We had almost 20,000 total viewers on our live reaction to Ohio State, Penn State. I will certainly be doing that style of video and live reaction for Michigan, Penn State, and also Ohio State, Michigan, for what I anticipate might be one of, quote, the games of the century, as I think Michigan and Ohio State are clearly better than Georgia right now. Georgia is still number one as of Sunday morning at the time of this recording, but I think Michigan and Ohio State both have a, a far better argument to be number one than Georgia does. Ohio State's knocked off two top 10 teams right now. Ryan Day has a 75% um, win percentage against ranked opponents. That's the highest. That is the highest among active head coaches in college football. For you to tell me that Ryan Day is not a top 10 
let alone top six, let alone even more boldly, top five head coach right now is complete lunacy. Complete lunacy. Ryan Day has not lost to a single Big Ten opponent in his five years at Ohio State, except for Michigan, who in Michigan has the second best win percentage over the past two and a half seasons. That's incredible. Ryan Day and the Buckeyes traditionally are known for producing top offenses and offenses that matter, Um, offenses that can beat you in a shootout, an offense that last year humiliated Georgia's number one defense, nearly beat them by double digits, and I'd argue would have done the same in 2021. Watch Bryce Young and Jamison Williams against that vaunted Georgia defense, and you don't think that C.J. Stroud, who's a better quarterback than Bryce Young, both in the NFL and college, and also with that superior wide receiver room and better pass pro O-line, you don't think they would have destroyed that Georgia defense? Absolutely they would have. The question would have been, much like in 2022, would Ohio State's defense stop Georgia's offense? Well, this year, the offense has taken a, a step back. I'd say a sizable step back, but they still have explosiveness. The passing offense can still be elite at times. It looked better than Washington's yesterday. The defense has taken a tremendous step forward. I mean, every player on that defense is a monster. I don't care if it's JT Tuimolau getting a sack, a few passes deflected, several pressures, whether it's Tommy Eichenberg, whether it's Josh Proctor with two pass deflections. That defense is littered with NFL All-American talent. You cannot tell me otherwise. I mean, I know I'm, we're talking about Ohio State a lot right now, but they won the football game. And in large part, they won the football game because of Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, he carried that Mm -hmm. offense. And no one else on Ohio State's offense was really giving Penn State's defense any fits. Travion Henderson was out. Um, Emeka Igbuka, he he was not featured in this game. And Denzel Burke was out. Ohio State was down several elite players. And they still dominated this football game. They really did. Um, and I know the score shows 20 to 12, but Penn State, without their their timeouts and needing an onside kick, got a touchdown with 29 seconds remaining. They went for two for the analytics in quotes and failed. Penn State's offense was downright pathetic. I have, you know what? I'm going to make a post about this later today. This Penn State team reminds me of 2021 Iowa, and 2021 Iowa was a good team. With the talent that Penn State has, that would make 2021 Iowa a great near-elite team. You can tell me that that's a hyperbolic, um, or hyperbolic, rather, comparison, but 2021 Iowa had Tyler Goodson. They had Sam Laporte at tight end. They had a good tight end room. They had an offensive line that was good or great, but very far from elite. And Spencer Petras, that was one of his better years in 2021. Drew Aller yesterday might as well have been Spencer Petrus with legs. I mean, 18 of 42, 191, a touchdown. His QBR went from 26th to outside of the top 40. He had less than a 30 QBR. It was disastrous. Penn State was one of 16 on third down efficiency, one of three on fourth down efficiency. They averaged 1.9 yards per rush, 
4.5 yards per pass. Ohio State had seven more first downs. Ohio State had almost 100 more passing yards. And Ohio State had 30 more rushing yards. Yet they had more yards and penalties. They lost a fumble. And they, they themselves failed on a fourth down in the end zone, which is a play that I said live I would rip Ryan Day for. You take the field goal there. Penn State can't do anything. I understand the feeling that you want to close out the game early. But it's like with Dan Lanning. Take the three. Just take the three. If anything in this game, what what was being communicated to us was not just the fact that Ohio State's the overall better team with obviously the better offense. They might have the better defense too. Ohio State's defense had more sacks and they were able to get more pressure. And this is with a Penn State O-line that has a respectable, great pass block. And yet Ohio State had four sacks, six tackles for loss, six passes deflected. Ohio State, they tackled better. They had a better pass rush. I mean, overall, the defenses are both elite, but I would slightly lean Ohio State here. I mean, they dominated really on the defensive side of the ball, the Buckeyes did, and they led and eventually wore down Penn State's defense. But we'll talk about more of this throughout the video. I want to bounce back to Marvin Harrison Jr. and what he did offensively. He carried this offense all game long. 11 receptions, 162 total yards, and one receiving touchdown. Just incredible. The next leading receiver on the team was Cade Stover with four receptions and 70 yards. So Marvin Harrison Jr. had nearly triple the receptions that Ohio State's second leader in re in receptions had. And he had more than double the receiving yards that Cade Stover had. Carnell Tate got featured in this game. Chip Trainum at a 19-yard reception. Basically, Marvin Harrison Jr. was the only active and impactful receiver that Ohio State had. Julian Fleming had one reception for nine yards, Oh, and he also was the reason that Ohio State muffed that punt, which would have given them elite field position. Ohio State made a plethora of mistakes, too. Same with Penn State. But they had the players. And that isn't an excuse for Franklin. Rather, that's kind of looking Franklin in the eye and asking some very tough questions. Because the development that helped make Marvin Harrison Jr. into this player, mostly from his father, but also from the best wide receivers coach in the nation, Brian Hartline, and the recruiting ability that Ohio State's coaches have. Also, the fact that overall, the supporting cast surrounding Marvin Harrison Jr. has been higher recruited and better developed than what's at Penn State. And Ohio State's coaches did a better job of putting their players in a position to win. If you're Ohio State and you're struggling on offense, you feed Marvin Harrison Jr. the ball because he's that elite of a player. He will get you first downs. He will get you touchdowns. He will help you win football games. Ohio State had 41 carries and 35 passing attempts. They're still trying to force the run, and it doesn't work. And I understand keeping defenses honest and the run actually worked at times. Um, Kyle McCord and also the team taking a knee in, you know, end of the second quarter and end of the football game helped weigh down Ohio State's rushing total. But Mayan Williams ran for 2.6 yards per carry with one touchdown. 
Chip Trainum ran for 2.4. Devin Brown had a few red zone carries for five yards. Xavier Johnson had two carries for four yards. This rushing offense at times looked, it, it looked good, if I'm being honest. I mean, the offensive line did well handling their assignments. They they had a much better performance than they had against Maryland, for example, or Indiana. The offensive line stepped up. The problem is Penn State is one of the best defenses in the country. You were never going to hold them to zero sacks and zero tackles for loss, and you were likely, with the type of offensive line Ohio State has, they were never going to average more than four yards per carry on the ground. It was never going to happen. But they were able to run, keep Penn State's defense honest, and there were times where Mayan Williams, for example, had a long rush at 12. There were times where Penn State had to adjust what they were doing to stop the run because Ohio State's guards, tackles, and centers stepped up. There was one play in Penn State territory where Ohio State, the center, the two tackles, get their men, and then maybe it wasn't the guards, but from what I remember, the guards detached and they just blocked Penn State's linebackers perfectly. Gain of more than five. This run game does have potential, and this is without Travion Henderson. I imagine with Henderson, Ohio State rushes for over 100 yards. Um, I was unaware that he wasn't going to play in this game. I thought his injury would be minor, but it is what it is. Ohio State needs to get the ball more to Marvin Harrison Jr., more to Cade Stover, more to Carnell Tate. I know that Kyle McCord has his accuracy issues, and under pressure, um, he is not he's not an elite quarterback or not even a great quarterback under pressure, but he's still efficient. 22 completions of 35 attempts, 286 total yards, 8.2 yards per pass attempt. He's getting better every game. One passing touchdown, an 87.2 quarterback efficiency rating. That makes him the fifth best quarterback, according to ESPN efficiency metrics, in all of college football. Definitely not the same quarterback as C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields. I'm, I'm not trying to pretend that, but he's good. He's great. By the end of the year, he might be near elite. Give him more passing attempts. Your defense is good enough to the point where your offense doesn't have to score on every other drive or every drive. The more reps that Kyle McCord gets, the better he will become. And with Igbuka healthy and also with Henderson healthy, this offense overall will look that much better with them back, especially Ibuka, because Ibuka's an elite wide receiver as well. Having two elite wide receivers as opposed to one is going to wreak havoc on opposing defenses, and that will help Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, just retain some of his stamina. That also will give defenses, like I said, a hard time, because you can't just double cover or only focus on covering Marvin Harrison Jr. Now you have to pay attention to Ibuka. And then you have Cade Stover, and Henderson in space is dangerous as a receiver as well. For Penn State, Penn State ran it for 26 times, 26 times, and they passed for 42 times. What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, entering this game, Penn State had the better rushing offense, there was less speculation about Penn State's run game because Singleton, Potts, and Allen were known to be healthy. Meanwhile, having Henderson out or in with this type of offensive line totally changes the dynamics of the game. Also, Dallin Hayden, 
didn't get a single snap, so I expect him to be redshirted this year um, because I think he fits this type of offensive line and fits the skill set needed for this offense better than, let's say, Mayan Williams or Chip Trainum or Xavier Johnson. And I talked about that after the Purdue game. So he's going to be redshirted. I think that'll help Ohio State's future and even Dallin Hayden's future. And with Tony Alford as the running backs coach, I can only imagine staying an extra year is going to make him that much better with elite development. But focusing on Penn State, your strength, at least from what you want to do, your strength and also your identity is running the football. And you abandon it. From the get-go, you are passing all around the field. When you're facing the best secondary or the second-best secondary, it's between Ohio State and Georgia for the number one secondary in all of college football. After yesterday, I think Penn State has an elite secondary. I don't think it's number one. I I really do not think that. I think it's Ohio State, maybe Georgia. Maybe there's still an argument for Penn State, but you allowed nearly 300 passing yards, and this wasn't to C.J. Stroud, and this wasn't to a healthy Ohio State wide receiver. It was to basically one or two players, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Cade Stover. Why are you passing? Like, you're you're flinging the ball everywhere. You don't have C.J. Stroud. You don't have Bryce Young. You don't have J.J. McCarthy. You don't have Michael Penix. You don't have Bo Nix. You don't have Caleb Williams. You don't even have Kyle McCord. You have Drew Aller, who, after yesterday, I have a lot of doubt about, outside of his ability to not turn over the football. That's that's what's impressive about Drew Aller. 6'5", 243 pounds. There were people in the preseason saying that Drew Aller would be the Big Ten's best quarterback. Does the Big Ten's best quarterback have a 67.5 QBR? Is the Big Ten's best quarterback the 43rd most efficient passer? Does the Big Ten's best quarterback have a 134.7 passer rating? By the way, that's worse than Cade McNamara's passer rating in 2021. Just saying. Does the Big Ten's best quarterback complete 61% of his passes? Does the Big Ten's best quarterback, or even, for all the questions I asked, a top three quarterback in the Big Ten, or a top two quarterback in the Big Ten, does he average 6.5 yards per pass attempt? And does he average all of those statistics while being sacked only eight times? His struggles did not begin against Ohio State. They were constant leading up to this game. He was never going to struggle against Northwestern, have to throw for five yards per attempt versus Iowa, and again, you know, have off games against Illinois and still not put on a show against UMass and then going to break out against Ohio State. That was never going to happen. If Penn State was going to win this game, it was because they were going to force multiple turnovers. It was going to be via the fumble returned for six, which that was a controversial call. I'll, I'll give you that. But controversial calls are a part of the game. It was going to be through defensive touchdowns or the run game taking over. Aller, with the wide receiver room that he has, was never going to be the reason why Penn State won this football game. Maybe next year he'll be. He has a lot of talent, a whole lot of upside. 
But to say that he is somehow better than Kyle McCord or J.J. McCarthy at this point is lunacy. Those two are far better than Aller is as a passer. I know it's the best pass defense in the country. And it's potentially the best overall defense in the country. I mean, Jim Knowles has a unit. Jim Knowles last year looked like Don Brown, but Don Brown never adapted. Jim Knowles changed his scheme. He did what elite defensive coordinators do. And it was year one anyway last year. The hot seat talk surrounding him was ridiculous. It depends on what you do in year two, how you learn and grow. The good defensive coordinators, the good offensive coordinators, the good head coaches, they learn, they grow, they adapt. They advance. They change throughout the course of history. Same with nations and individuals outside of football. Drew Aller, and more specifically James Franklin, this was a failure on all fronts outside of defense and special teams. I know that on the special teams front, Daquan Hardy, he could have he could have fielded that punt at midfield, but you can't put that you can't put the game on Daquan Hardy. You can't put the game on Abdul Carter or whoever was covering Marvin Harrison Jr. on a crosser route who recognized the play way too late and Marvin Harrison Jr. was able to get to the edge and in space waltz in for a touchdown. You can't put those plays on the defense, on the special teams. Can't do it. Alex Falcons was two for two on field goals. I mean, he's a, he's a great kicker. He really is. He's better than Jake Pinnegar. I'll tell you that right now. But this offense has regressed from last year. Penn State's probably level to the team they were last year. Their defense is one of the best in the country, but their offense is an absolute mess. Their offense got worse compared to last year, and their defense got better, and their special teams got better in my mind. Sean Clifford... Right now, Sean Clifford would give you a better chance to win this football game than Drew Aller would. That's facts. That's total facts. That's why Sean Clifford started last year. He gave Penn State their best chance to win. This year, if Sean Clifford somehow was given a seventh year of eligibility, he'd be starting right now. He would be. Because Sean Clifford would have completed probably more than 50% of his passes, even with this wide receiver room, And I imagine he would have rushed for more than negative 23 yards on seven carries. Yeah, he would have been sacked. But Sean Clifford knew how to be elusive. He knew how to scramble. Maybe he would have thrown an interception or turned it over. Clifford was definitely more turnover prone than Aller. But so far from what I'm seeing with Drew Aller, Clifford, you know, he's the better quarterback. Like relative to comparing last year's team and this year's team. And you don't believe me. Clifford was top 25 in quarterback efficiency last season. He was constantly in the top 30. Against Ohio State, he had four turnovers, but he also had several scores. And part of me blames the turnovers almost more on the offense and the the coaching than I do him. You know, throwing screen passes to defensive ends who you know with Jim Knowles' you know, jack position are trained to catch the football and you're throwing to them? I don't know. Just a thought. That all relates back to James Franklin, though. James Franklin, he has one win against Ohio State. 
One, he is a, he's won 10% of his games against Ohio State. That one win coming off of a blocked field goal returned for six at home. The one. Franklin is 3-16 in big games. James Franklin, yesterday, he talked about how, you know, big picture. I'll be happy to talk about that at some point, but then focusing on today's game and acting like this isn't a pattern. That's James Franklin. Franklin also saying, well, watch the tape, but I'm not sure you didn't just watch two of the best teams in college football specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Thank you for adding that last part because your offense reminds me more of 2021 Iowa than it does, you know, 2016 Michigan or 2016 Ohio State, who were elite defensive teams with average or above average offenses. This Penn State offense reminded me of 2017 Michigan or 2021 Iowa. It was horrendous rushing for less than two yards per carry, passing for less than five yards per attempt, rushing for less than 50 total yards. You are not winning a game with those statistics unless you're facing a non-top 10 team and unless you have an elite defense, elite special teams, and you at least have some kind of good to great game management. Phil Parker is a better game manager than Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz gained my respects as a DC. He's still not Phil Parker. And Kirk Ferentz is a better game manager than James Franklin is. Kirk Ferentz had his own debacle of punting with two minutes left against Minnesota. Well, Minnesota then proceeds to punt the ball back and Cooper DeGene returns it for a touchdown, except, oh wait, he signaled his players to get away from the ball which means when you pick up the ball, it's dead. That's another controversial call because I see the argument for the fact that that wasn't a dead ball, and he did return that for a touchdown. But more on that reaction video later because I'm going to be reacting to that video. Overall, 250 total yards, one touchdown that came in the final seconds of the game, a quarterback who I think his confidence is already taken away from him, if not slowly slipping, I don't know what to tell you if you're Penn State because next year or that that's looking too far in the future. This Michigan game is that much more important. Michigan destroyed Michigan State 49 to 0. Michigan statistically is by far the best team in college football now. They're second in FPI, quickly closing in on Ohio State. They're first in efficiency. They're first in points per play margin. They're first in yards per point margin. This is through eight games. I know they haven't played much of a schedule, but they played Minnesota, Nebraska, Rutgers. Those teams all have winning records now and are at least average power five opponents. They obliterated them. They're not going to beat Penn State like 50 to nothing. That will never happen. That'd be my dream as a Michigan fan. Same with beating Ohio State 50 to nothing. That's not going to happen though. But Michigan right now looks much better than Penn State. But Ohio State was better than Penn State in 2016, and Beaver Stadium made that difference. Penn State's defense, clutched up, made a difference. James Franklin needs to beat Michigan this year, or if he doesn't, Ohio State next year, home, um, whether it's a whiteout or whether it's big noon, doesn't matter. 
Penn State will probably return more than Ohio State next year. It's a home game. The schedule is the easiest that Penn State has had in probably more than 10 years. Something has to give next year. There has to be breakthrough because I know it's tiring for Penn State fans and it's painful seeing this happen over and over and over again. That's all I'm going to say. Now for Ryan Day, he wasn't perfect either. Again, the fourth and goal call, screen pass, Penn State's defense is in man. They totally read it. Lunacy. What are you doing? But outside of that play, the muffed punt, and Kyle McCord's inaccuracy, also running it for more than you pass when you can't run the football. Ryan Day did not have a perfect game, but he managed the scheme much better than James Franklin did. He put his players in a better position to win, even with his mistakes, in my opinion, than Franklin did. Ohio State's defense, like Penn State's, is also one of the best in college football. The wide receivers in Cade Stover are NFL level. They're very high in talent. They're great receivers, great blockers. I mean, it's just watching Ohio State's offense when they are in rhythm is beautiful. Last year, in 2021, I said that as well. I mean, this offense, when it is working at peak efficiency, carves you up. Or when the Buckeyes used to have an elite rushing attack, like in 2019 with J.K. Dobbins, or in the later half of the 2020 season with Trey Sermon, Ohio State could just ground and pound and also use that passing offense to keep you honest and just bully you in the run game. I mean, Trey Sermon destroyed Northwestern and Clemson in 2020, and J.K. Dobbins just owned everyone in 2019. In all 14 games, I think Ohio State rushed for well, well over 100 yards, if not well over 150. Um, Most games was over 200, though. They averaged more than 200 rushing yards per game, which was just crazy. When Ohio State and Ryan Day's offense functions at peak efficiency, regardless of the game plan, regardless of personnel, it's beautiful. Now, I don't think this year they're going to ever reach that elite level on offense. I don't think they have the tackle play. I don't know even if they have the interior offensive line play. You need to be healthy at running back, and I don't think Ohio State has a quarterback who will be elite at the end of the season. I think that Kyle McCord is a much better version of Cade McNamara. He's basically your peak game manager. Now, maybe I'm wrong in saying that, and some will say, well, he's not, and you have a right to your argument, that's not even an insult. Peak game manager. This guy has one interception. He still has good arm strength. He's extremely accurate when he's comfortable, and he's getting better every game. I think right now he's clearly a top 10 quarterback. When I say peak game manager, I mean he doesn't have legs. He doesn't have any spectacular ability. He's just great or good in every area. Good pocket awareness. I mean, he knows when he's about to get sacked or when the pocket's closing. You can tell in his demeanor. He's not like, let's say, J.J. McCarthy last year, where McCarthy has no clue he's about to get trucked until he gets trucked. McCord has awareness. He's accurate when comfortable. He needs to get comfortable being in pressure. That's that's what McCord needs. If that happens, 
I don't care that he doesn't have elite arm strength or, you know, one-of-one accuracy. If he can just be accurate while under pressure, this offense is going to be that much better thanks to him. And already, it is one of the better offenses in college football. It's just not the number one offense in college football. I still think Ohio State has a top 15, top 10 offense, especially when you factor in their upside. Kyle McCord just needs more experience. I think that yesterday, they could have had him throw it 50 times, and, you know, they probably still would have won. They needed that run game, though, especially early on, because Kyle McCord was pretty hit and miss until Penn State's defense was worn down. Ohio State needed that run game to chew clock and to control the game, even if they couldn't pick up big gains. I think that's part of the reason why they're running so much. But it wouldn't hurt in my mind to pass more than they are relative to rushing attempts percentage out of total plays. I think they could afford to pass more and operate a better offense while still being able to run to, you know, choose some clock, rest the defense, shorten games. Because Ohio State this season, they're not fast. I mean, they used tempo, but very strategically. They were very comfortable in chewing the clock. I mean, the identity of this team, part of its personnel, part of this scheme change, I think, is Ryan Day. You know, he wants his team to be physical. I think that last year he started this transition to an offense that is more slow, more rush-heavy, at least ideally. And part of me thinks that was a mistake because I think the 2021 offense or even 2022 offense didn't have very many problems. Rather, it was the defense that needed changing. But then again, as I've mentioned earlier, Kyle McCord is not C.J. Stroud. Speaking of which, C.J. Stroud was on the sidelines. It was great to see him. Phenomenal quarterback, both at the collegiate level and also the NFL level. I think what he's showing in Houston is very impressive. Very impressive. And, and people said that he wouldn't succeed because well, he's an Ohio State quarterback, or because he didn't look good in his first preseason game, whatever. Um, fans of sports, and I find this especially in life, were, were very reactive. And I've tried to not be very reactive on this channel, um, but if I have been, please tell me down below. I know that there's one instance where I was reactive. That was ranking Washington State top 10, and they're already 4-3. and three. Maybe three and three. I forget. Anyway, 365 offensive yards, two touchdowns, a defense that matters, a defense that you can you can win with that defense. You don't have to win with your offense anymore if you're Ohio State. We knew that entering this game, but we're even more confident in that. Overall, the reason Ohio State won is despite giving up a turnover, despite having more penalties, Ohio State had 34 minutes and 24 seconds of possession. That's nearly a 10-minute possession advantage over Penn State. Ohio State had more rushing yards. They both, the Nittany Lions and the Buckeyes, averaged 1.9 yards per carry. Ohio State averaged 8.2 yards per pass. Penn State only averaged 4.5. Ohio State had 125 more total yards. The Buckeyes were 6 of 16 on third down, as opposed to 1 of 16 for Penn State. The Buckeyes had 22 first downs to Penn State's 15, and they held Penn State to be one of three on fourth down. 
and Penn State in total, look, 26 rushing attempts, 42, 42 passing attempts. That right there is 68 total plays. Ohio State, meanwhile, had 76 total plays. Only eight more, only eight more plays, 125 more yards. So Ohio State was by far more efficient with their offense. Ohio State, with more plays, with more possession, controlled. They weren't just the more explosive team. They were, they controlled the game very effectively. I mean, it was clear entering halftime. That was why Ryan Day took the knee. It was very clear this team was the superior football team. You just couldn't make mistakes. And after that fumble return, near fumble return for a touchdown, I just think Ryan Day wanted to play it super conservative, which I was fine with. What I wasn't fine with is you do that before half, and then you go on a fourth down from basically the two-point conversion line when kicking a field goal is being conservative. Like, stay consistent throughout the game. But the Buckeyes showed that they were the better team. And look, in my mind, looking at the Big Ten right now, it's clear that Michigan and Ohio State are in that 1A. They're in Tier 1A. Penn State, they're either in Tier 1B or, dare I say it, they're the lone team in Tier 2. I think that Michigan, from the eye test, from an efficiency standpoint, has separated themselves from the country. Ohio State, they're, the resume that Ohio State has right now no one else has that resume. Ohio State, in my mind, has the best strength of record in all of college football, beating Notre Dame on the road, a top 10 Penn State team at home, and, you know, beating a Maryland team that has a winning record, and just dominating in games against, you know, whether it's Western Kentucky or Purdue. Ohio State looks like a great team or a near elite team in the eye test, and they've played a tough schedule. So I think in the Big Ten, until proven otherwise, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, for Penn State, that game against Michigan is so critical. And they can afford a loss there, and this season can still be 11-2 and with a New Year's Six Bowl win, and I guess that would be success. But then all the pressure is going to be on Franklin next season. Thank you guys so much for watching this video. I want to give a quick shout-out to my patrons, Spencer Bringhurst and Noah DDLC, my all-American patrons, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my all-conference patrons. Have a phenomenal day, guys, and check out the Patreon page via the link in the description. I'll see you around. Bye-bye.